a little bit of an awkward switching of gears here, but you all know me now. Um, by now, you realize that I'm horribly awkward. Um, about 12, 13 years old version of Ben had just been taught and instructed by my father of how to mow the lawn with the new riding lawnmower he had purchased. I'd done it for years with the push mower, and we were living uptown now with a beautiful green statesman lawn tractor. So my dad, when he left for work that morning, instructed me that I needed to have the grass mowed by the time he got home. So just as any mature 12 to 13 year old would do, I calculated to the minute how long it would take for me to mow the grass. And then I started about one minute before that estimated time of arrival for my father to when I started cutting the grass. The rest of the day I spent playing games and napping. But I go and we, we had cattle on three sides of our lawn there, basically. And there was an electric fence that separated said cows from our lawn. As I am mowing, I used to try to make a little bit of a game to see how close I could get the front of the lawnmower to the electric fence. One time, I roll up and I hit the electric fence. And immediately, I go, ah! But then I realize something. There's no electricity current going through me. I'm on rubber tires. I'm grounded. Thank you, Lord. So the ever-mature version of me thinks I need to pay attention now and I need to back away slowly from this fence. So I put my foot on the clutch to change into reverse. For some reason, that left foot betrayed me in that moment and it decided to slip off of the brake, the clutch, which sent me full on into that electric fence, which caused the lawnmower to do this, then violently shoot straight up in the air, which caused me to no longer be grounded because there was now metal touching the ground. And guess who else was touching the metal? So I got a hair-raising experience during that time. And when I finally got the thing back down and got it away from the fence, navigated that safely, I looked and there was two large scratches on the front of the mower that went up and then immediately to the left where it had bucked up and then adjusted itself. I'm, I'm not for sure what kind of convincing story that I tried to tell my mom and dad at that point as to how that happened, but I can guarantee you one thing, the story did not involve an electric fence. Uh, and I saw a meme last night, one I'd seen before, but one that's still very true, says, when you have kids, you soon realize how ridiculous the lies you told your parents actually sounded. Right? So kids, no matter how creative you think you're being and how convincing your lies are, your parents know. They know. 
But I tell you that to say this. There was a moment in time that I got into something that would be incredibly shocking and electrifying and cause a little bit of pain and sudden jolt to my system, and I did that because I wasn't paying attention. Well, today I want to try to avoid that because the passage of Scripture that we're reading today has to deal with submission. You all know the one. Wives, submit to your husbands. There have been some of you, the guys probably sitting out there going, oh, <laughs> I've been waiting on him to get, for him to get to this one. The ladies out there are saying, oh, <laughs> I've been waiting for him to get to this one. And for some reason, when I gave Thomas the option of which passage to speak on, he passed on this one. He decided he wanted to go with last week's topic. Now, when we said going into this year that we were going to go through the book of Ephesians, I had some of the elders and some of, some of you that would go, Ephesians, okay, it's a, oh, <laughs> Ephesians, huh? And they were thinking of two certain passages of Scripture. One was within the first couple weeks of what we covered, which was the we have been chosen, the predestined, you know, the whole Calvinism, Arminianism thing, free will versus sovereignty of God thing. We, we covered that early. And then the second one was this passage here out of Ephesians chapter 5. And I kind of wonder why we have those kind of reactions to Scripture. Whenever we look at something and we know something's coming up and we go, oh, that's going to be fun. Or, oh, I may be making an early exit today. Could it be that we are preconditioned by what well-meaning, good-hearted people in the past have instructed us on or told us on or shared their opinions of without proper contextual understanding of what's being said? I think we found that out with the chosen, the predestined. When you simplify it, Maybe, just maybe, it's the same thing we have here. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm not going to dive headlong into the relational aspects of this, into the husbands, wives, children, parents, employees, employers. We're not going to dive into that. And it's not because there's not applicable reasons for us to do that. There is, and we will come back around to it. But as we have approached the book of Ephesians, we have taken a kind of a higher view of this scripture to learn what the book overall was saying. And we've said for several weeks now and reminded ourselves that this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church and to believers. It wasn't to individuals. Now, does it have individual applications? Absolutely it does, and we've covered those in part. But this is an overall call for unity that Paul is making here. From chapters 4 on, we have seen it move from a theological teaching to a practical teaching. That Paul is saying that I'm going to challenge you because you need to walk in unity. You need to walk in togetherness in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today because this passage goes all the way through chapter 6, verse 9. 
Now, I'm going to only read to you one verse this morning because this is the commandment statement. Okay? This is the action portion of what he is expecting us in our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. This is what he's hammering home as the big idea, as the main point. And that is verse 21. Chapter 5, verse 21 says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Pray with me if you would this morning. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. And God, as I said and I continue to think on, on Jack's testimony and his situation, God, just, just how awesome and how good you really are. Father, I pray now that as we come to this time in your word that we would divide it rightly, God, that you would speak through me, that, God, our hearts would be open, our ears and our spirits would be open to receive what you have to say to us. Holy Spirit, use me as a vessel. Use my voice to communicate your words. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what we see in this passage, in verse 21 alone, is we see a wrapping up of Paul making four present participles. Okay? Thomas covered three of them last week. And just real quickly, the three were basically this. Sing to each other with psalms and hymns. Sing to the Lord Give thanks, and these are all in verses 19 and 20, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, all three present participles, all three commandments, not suggestions, not if you can or you really should, this is what you're supposed to be doing as a church. So those were the three this morning, we're going to talk about the fourth, and that's in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. So I'm going to steal three points. I'm going to borrow them from Alistair Begg. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Alistair, listened to Alistair Begg, a fantastic expositor of Scripture. Uh, and he breaks this commandment and this passage into three areas. And those areas are the matter, the means, and the motive. The matter, the means, and the motive. So first thing this morning, what is the matter in this passage? In this scripture that we're looking at, verse 21, what is the matter that's being addressed here? Submission. How many of you love to hear that word? Right. Right. That's what I thought. And it's not just in a marital relationship, right? It's submitting to anything, anyone, any entity, any idea we have problems with at our very core, at our very nature. You want to know why we have problems with it? Because at our very core, in our very nature, detached from Christ... When he's secondary in our lives, we deal with pride. And we struggle with pride. And that's one of the things 
that causes lack of submission to one another. That's what the commandment is. In the church, in first church, God is expecting us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Everybody just take a moment, kind of look around. Okay, there were three people that did that. I'm preaching on pride, people. Come on. What we find in this place, even with the people that we may have gone to church with our entire lives, is we see people who are different than we are. They're different. We see people who we wouldn't necessarily go on vacation with. And I know that's the truth because I've not been invited to any of y'all's in vacations. And believe me, I'm keeping track. But we see people who are differently, that, that, that are different than we are. They may think differently. They may act differently. They may talk differently. But no matter how different we are, how similar or how different we are in our backgrounds, in our beliefs, in our ideological thinking in any of these things and our preferences understand that when we walk into this house when we walk into this church this is the one place where we find the most unity out of anywhere we go outside of our house and here's why i can tell you that because we are all gathered together in some form of recognition on some level that we need jesus amen we each and every one need Jesus. And it's when we get to that place that we move on from that foundational unity when we begin to have our problems. It's when our eyes come off of Jesus and our need for him that our pride begins to interject itself. We've got a few people in here that I know, and they may not be here this morning, but some are, that are very proud of how much they run. Well, I can run 100 meters in 10 seconds. Well, I run a 5K. I ran a half marathon. I ran. It's, that's great. You know how far I run? I don't run far because I run like a turtle trudging through peanut butter. Try not to imagine that. Try not to get the visual, okay? But if we think about it, we take pride in these in these gifted things that we think that we begin to set ourselves apart from people and we we feel like give us our identity we begin to kind of you know puff out our chest walk a little prouder because of some things when we begin to take pride in what we do most of the time our eyes have been taken off of Jesus. So this pride issue, this matter of submission, we have real difficulty with. And, and I'm going to explain this here in a little bit, and I didn't ask, so I'm, I'm, instead of asking for permission, I'm just going to ask for forgiveness a little bit later. Jody and Bree, would you all come up here for me for just a minute? See how much trust they have in their pastor. Okay, so if you all would, just stand here in front of me and face the congregation, please. All right. Hi. 
Lock arms, if you wouldn't mind, please. Thank you. Yeah. Jody, you've done this before. You know what I'm talking about. All right. Okay. So I'm going to give you a visual definition as to what biblical submission is. I was going to use, I wasn't going to use anybody from the congregation, but my wife is in the nursery this morning, and let's just face it, it would have been weird. All right, use anybody. So I'm going to address, I said that I wasn't going to go deep into the relational aspect of it, but I do feel like I need to at least address it. Biblical submission is when two believers walk side by side, locked, arm in arm, facing in the same direction. So you guys both just take off walking back there to the exit door. Okay, pause. Simon says stop. Okay. So that door is going to be represented, representative of them walking towards Christ together. Now they are husband and wife. This could be anyone brother and sister in Christ but husband and wife especially this is what biblical submission looks like submission means we're coming under the mission we're subjecting ourselves to the mission of Jesus Christ if you guys wouldn't care walk back here towards me well regardless of however you do it Simon didn't say so you are done no 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 <laughs> come on all right, so when their focus is on the mission, when they are both subject as a man of God and a woman of God and then a married couple unified in God, when their focus is on Jesus Christ, they're locking arms with one another and they're walking in the same direction. Now, I want, Jody, I want you, I want you to walk towards that exit door over there, Bree, I want you to walk towards that exit door over there, but I want you to stay locked arms, okay? All right, Simon says go. Okay, see? What's happening here is there's tension. There's a struggle, right? One is pulling against the other because they're both focused on something other than Jesus Christ. They're both focused, they're both under their own mission, which means their own agendas, their own motives, and their own wants. Thank you guys, you're done now. Give them a hand, give them a hand. <laughs> Biblical submission. And, and listen, we, we used a husband and wife example there, and that's 100% accurate in the, in the home. Biblical submission. It's a husband and wife locking arms, taking their family with them, going after Jesus Christ, side by side, under his mission. The same is true, and, and there, there have been moments that I have asked you all to hold me accountable. And this is going to be another one of those, as your pastor. The same is true for me leading this church. That I need to be walking arm in arm with you as we pursue Christ together. As we focus on Jesus together. It's not me walking out in front, barking, hollering, and demanding that you all follow along with me. It's not me standing on top of a chariot, although I'm not opposed to that. As you all walk me towards the destination. If we're going there, I want leaves and grapes as well also, okay? But it's not that. It is each and every one of us as brothers and sisters in Christ locking arms 
under the mission of Jesus Christ in this church. Does that make sense? Okay. Side note. And we'll get into this at a later time. I told you that we're not going to go too deep into this relational stuff. But men, if you want to stick your chest out, and this is part of my counseling, both premarital and marital counseling, if you want to stick your chest out, and you want to beat on it a little bit, and you want to be all masculine and stuff, and you want to point to this verse and say, well, she's supposed to submit to me. If you want to take that standpoint, <laughs> number one, R.I.P. Um, but if, if you want to take that standpoint, then understand what this scripture also says. If the expectation, if we're going to take it black and white literally, if the expectation is for the wife to submit, then guess what the expectation for the husband is? To die. Because he said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died for us. So if you want to demand submission, my question to you is going to be, when was the last time something of you died for her? So let's understand what Paul's asking us to do here, okay? Let's not try to have Scripture wrap around our ideas and what we want it to say. Let's make sure that we're taking this out of context. And this context is unity in the body, not elevating one over the other. And Paul said that this entire letter. So the matter is submission. The problem that we face in submitting to one another is our pride. But then Paul recognizes this, and he gives us the means of this. So the matter is submission. That's what we're commanded to do. What are the means by which we obtain this submission? I think we need to go back to verse 18, which Thomas covered last week. Again, this is a contextual letter. It's a flow. It's not Paul's changed his mind and writing something completely different now. But by eight, uh, verse 18, the means of it is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I'll say this to Jody and Bree. I'll say this to any other married couple that's listening to me. I'll say this to any Christian relationship, whether it's a friendship or whatever. If the Holy Spirit is not the means by which you are walking in that relationship, then you are walking divided. You are walking in your own pride. You are walking in what you want. But true biblical unity, true biblical submission in relationship is locking arms and understanding that apart from the Holy Spirit, then it's not achievable for us. That it's impossible for us. Again, this is another one of those points of unity for us, that we all need Jesus for salvation. We agree with that, amen? It's only through Jesus. Can we also agree that in order to walk our lifetime in a healthy relationship with Jesus, it's not achievable without His Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts? That without the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us, 
that we are not going to have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we don't have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, then we're not going to have healthy relationships with one another. And listen, I know this isn't the most joyous message, but just let me know if this is making sense, if this is clicking. Without Jesus, without his sacrifice, it's impossible for us to be forgiven. Without his Holy Spirit, it's impossible for us to walk in unity. It's impossible for us to walk in true biblical submission in our relationships. It's only through his Holy Spirit. And then lastly, let's look at what the motive is this morning. Why do we want to do this? Why submission? Why submit to one another? Well, the motive is found at the end of verse 21. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another, not because it comes naturally to us, not because it's something that we just choose to do because that's going to make us feel good all the time. No, that's going, your flesh is going to war against this. And if we've not experienced that before 2020, I think that we've seen now that submission to our brothers and sisters, our submission to our church family, our submission even at times to our relationships are difficult because we're seeing all of these things that cause division. And folks, when we put our focus on what causes division and where we disagree and where we're not unified, then we are going to pull the opposite way away from Jesus Christ. Because we have to get back to the foundation. Jack said it very well. With this church, if we're, and going back to his testimony, going back to Linda's devotion, going back to all of these things about being the good news about being the hope, about being the support, about having the love for family. Folks, if we try to build it on anything other than Jesus Christ, Him crucified, Him resurrected, and Him returning again, then our hope is built on sinking sand. Because it has to be on Him and Him alone. How many of you in here, and I would love to see a show of hands, how many of you in here believe that Jesus wants First Church of Christ in Grayson, Kentucky to be a beacon of hope in our community? We're not going to be able to do that if we're not walking in unity. If we're not walking as a church family in submission to Jesus Christ, we can want all we want to. But it's not going to happen apart from Jesus, apart from His Holy Spirit, and apart from bringing glory to Him. Why, why be unified? Why submit to one another? Because it glorifies God. Because it brings Him glory. And most of the time when we struggle, when we're divided, when we're not submitting to one another, because we're trying to bring glory to ourselves to bring it to an ideology to bring it to a political stance to bring it to a certain thought that 
somebody else may disagree with. Biblical unity is built on Jesus Christ, on His Holy Spirit. So, again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the rest of this passage with the relationship between a husband and wife, with the relationship between parents and children and employees and employers. I'm not saying that there aren't applicable lessons for us to learn and there's not relevant instructions for us today because there is. But what I, in Thomas's message last week, he, at, towards the end, he used this example. He said that his nephew was having a decision to be made over a switch. Now, when I was a kid, having a decision about a switch involved something totally different than a game. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about here. So when he said switch last week, I knew that wasn't the case. I was like, okay, are we talking about a toggle switch? Are we talking about a light switch? What are we talking about here? So there was a lot of us in here that really didn't understand what a switch was. But every one of us, when he used that example, that his nephew was willing to sacrifice future good for him for momentary pleasure, each and every one of us could relate to that. Because in some shape, form, or fashion, we have all done that. And we've done it frequently, and we've paid the price for it. We wanted the momentary satisfaction to the place that we sacrificed long-term good and long-term benefit. So to me, when he said that, maybe having limited knowledge as to what a switch was that he was talking about, when he, made the, when he finished the example, I kind of went, well, duh. Yeah, I get that. I've, I've been that person. I get it. Because it was something that was easy for me to understand. Can I just, just propose to you this thought? That in this practical application, when Paul was saying, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ, that he began providing them application points and things that they would go, oh yeah, I get that. Oh well, Okay, yeah, I get your point now. And I believe that's where we see him starting to talk about the relationship between husbands and wives and the relationship between parents and children and the relationship between employers and employees because they would have completely understood the way that the two connected. So this morning, how's your submission? How's your life doing? And trust me when I say this, I'm not wanting you to look at the person next to you and start evaluating that. The first step I want you to take this morning is how is your submission to God? To what, how He's asking you to do things, what He's commanding of you. And then we have to ask ourselves as a church, how is our submission level? Are we submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ? Or are we coming in here with a holy facade on once a week, a couple times a month, whatever, with this mask on, and this masquerade of acting like we're all good with everybody, but yet we live completely differently throughout the week towards our brothers and sisters that we call family. How's our 
submission in our hearts. I'm going to ask the praise team, if they would, to come back up. This is a question of who's leading us. Is it us? Are we walking in our own direction and just hoping that God's following and hoping that he's blessing what we're doing? Or are we being led by his Holy Spirit? Locking arms with one another. Under the mission, under the purpose, under the calling that God has for this church. <laughs>